Swag in the VL with two subbies, stereotype with a huge intercooler. Doing it right might be like I'm confused. What's the attraction? But some dudes just love to lose traction. That cruise action, Saturday night, you can do it at the lights or getting a Welcome to Rogue Bows. This is the car chat series. We finally have had some time to put one together. We appreciate everybody reaching out and breaking our nuts trying to get one out there. So this is that. We're finally pen down an hour or two, myself and Justin Ellis, to chat everything cars. We appreciate the support. Justin, how's things? Ah, it's um, mate, just balancing work, life, everything at the moment, um, but not as much as what people are balancing mortgages out there at the moment, the way rates are sitting. So uh, a lot of talk through work about that. Um, yeah, I guess um, a lot of people, instead of keeping their cards close to their chest, are keeping their cash <laughs> stashed away at the moment. So it's uh, interesting times. It is. And have you taken your cars out? Had time to do that? No. <laughs> Just weird. It's amazing, um, isn't it? It really is like we're, you know, we're car nuts, obviously, but I'm, I'm kind of the same. Actually, I had the, I've taken my Ram in for a service, which is a whole other issue. I'll talk, I'll talk about another day. But uh, I've, so I've, I've driven around the W1 GTSR for a couple of days and it's, I'm like, why don't I get in these more? Like, why am I not driving these more? Because they're so fun to drive. But then you realize you got kids, you got soccer, you got basketball, you got school, you got this, you got that. And and like everyone out there listening, you get caught in that rhythm. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, if I take one of these cars out for a morning school run, I got to move all my shit from my everyday car that's in there that I need for the daily basis and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. It's, it's a good problem to have. But I think there'd be a lot of people out there that can kind of confirm what we're saying is you have a a muscle car or two or three or 10 or whatever you have, you probably don't get them out as much as you can these days because everything's so busy. Oh, man, exactly right. I mean, yeah, for anyone with kids, that's honestly just, it's the battle. So every weekend, man, even this weekend, there's a birthday that they've got to take the daughter to and then there's other activities going on and now they're getting into going the footy and then when the basketball's back, we're going that on weekends. It's just, yeah, it is full on, full on. So, and, and that, another thing is not about taking one around the block for a squirt. It's you've got to first get it out, probably give it a watch so it just looks a bit nicer, then take it out yeah. and then come back and wash it again. And then you thought, well, I might, well, I'm moving one and might as well move another out and give that a wash. Then before you know it, a day is gone, just spent on cars and it's that time's just not there now. So, it's, um, yeah. And then it goes to even the daily drives, trying to wash and maintain those all the time with kids eating muffins and crap all in them. Anyone that says with kids and and it's actually quite funny that I've friends who don't have kids yet, they turn around and say, oh, I'd never be like that. I'd never let kids eat in the car, man. Trust me, you're throwing iPads, you're throwing anything at them just to shut them up <laughs> so you can drive and concentrate. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to hang on. I'm, I'm trying to hang on to the collection as much as I can. I'm probably going to downsize it to be quite honest, uh, but I'm trying to hang on to it as much as I can so when the kids are older, It'd be nice to to put them in one of these old school cars on their L's, just so they can really learn how to drive. But um, that is it is a, it is a battle. Oh, exactly. And um, I was chatting to a few mates about that because sometimes it does cross my mind. Going, you know, when we actually talk about going out and enjoying a car, um, because probably the last car I had that I fully enjoyed just getting every time driving it was um, the BMW M3 I had. And sometimes I think, on you know, I've got got a few of the older muscle cars. Do I sell them and just? put all the eggs in one basket and buy like a high-end kind of Euro thing, but then you look at going, well, you know, could be an all right investment now in a way because you could probably drive it for six, 12 months to get your money back. But mate, with all these um, cars stuck on, you know, stuck in quarantine lots and everything around there, once they start flowing through, you could tear up 50, 100 grand pretty quick buying a high-end Euro. So 
100%. And that's, that's the battle we all have. But uh, yeah. to hear listeners out there, if you've got a few muscle cars, how often you get them out. I mean, most people use them as weekend warriors. Um, the other stress is if you do happen to use them on a weekday and you want to drive them to work, then you've got that stress of like, shit, am I going to get there and back? You know, because yeah. I've, I've driven the car for a while. I've gone through a phase where I, um, you know, I'd like to take muscle cars to, to meetings in the city and whatnot, but I've stopped doing that just because the stress of I haven't driven this car for a few months. <laughs> yep. Am I going to get halfway down the freeway and then have to call a tow truck or, and then I'm going to miss a meeting. So yep. that, that also plays in part, but that's, that's the fun of owning muscle cars and high end cars. Um, you gotta, you gotta maintain them and take care of them, but, uh, let's talk market. Uh, mm. we've, you know, every episode, probably the last three, three episodes, it's, it's getting cooler, cooler, cooler. It's probably the coldest it's ever been. Yeah. Uh, at least in the last probably f- probably 10 years, probably five, 10 years. I mean, during COVID, we saw a peak. And now, as you open with rates going up and all that, is a, is a tough mix for the muscle car industry. But what, what are we seeing out there? Yeah, well, look, it is a hard one. I think it is a blend of, um, yeah, definitely interest rates. Um, you know, that if you have a look, I mean, we had record low cash rates the way it was sitting there. So it was easy to pull money off your mortgage, buy one of these cars play in that kind of market. But um, you know, the way rates are sitting, I mean, we're at you know, mid fives to low sixes, depending on your lender when you're sitting around there now, um, to go pulling that kind of money out. Or if you're looking at just getting a personal loan for one of these, you're probably north of 8%. If you're looking to, um, and there's a lot of lenders not even touching these kind of cars. So that does sit in that aspect of it. But then I just see it as well. I mean, I've just got more and more in my network, not sure if own listeners out there or even listeners yourself just kind of moving on from a lot of these cars. I think that tying up money in in these cars when you've got shortage of parts and everything and just going to car meets are just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So it's definitely that um, that blend that's happening there. But into um, the way it's all sitting, I mean, there's 11 W1s listed at the moment. Um you call it probably 360,000 is the new normal in that market there, which is quite mind-blowing considering, you know, that um, they're pushing that five 600,000. Yeah, the peak um, was about six, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah yep. Um, yep. So there's 43 GDSRs listed at the moment, so 140,000 is the money where that's sitting. Um, I actually had a friend, um, he got a white, um, white one with 9,600 on the clock and he got that for 125. So that's the a bit of a steal. The was ones, right? 90s ones, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, in the low ones. So, you know, that's falling back to where they kind of sit there. Um, GDSR, and that's the thing, I mean, the GDSR Maloos, I have heard a few of these changing hands at those high ones, you know, that, um, sorry, the low ones, but, um, yeah, 140K is where they're kind of sitting at the moment. Um, on to the FPV stuff, you've got the GDF, um, 13 of those listed with 150K as the cheapest. They've actually been quite funny because you see, I see them as an actual rolling market because it's really, it seems to be a handful get listed and the price range varies. It's kind of like you might have a bunch around that 150, then suddenly there's some of the high ones. It's just, yeah, it's um, a suck it and see kind of market. It's that just one. interesting that they haven't, they haven't um, started to sniff the money the W1s mm. have. I mean, I know they're not the build of a W1. The W1s are a pricier build with a bigger motor. But considering the GTF is the the, the last big banger that Ford or FPV have ever produced in Australia, um, it was mm. their swan song as they as they ran into the sunset and went went under and Ford Australia went under. 
that's what is big about the W1 as well. That's the last big banger that HSV or Holden did. Um, yeah. Albeit it is, a, it is a better build, but I still think that GTF is providing decent value in in the low to mid ones. Um, if, if you can pick one up between, you know, 100. There, there was one listed. Uh, there was a black one listed in New South Wales. It wasn't, wasn't auto though, but it was a dealer in the middle of the country and I was looking at it, but I found a better one. But it was, it was, I think, 120s, 130s. Um, if you can get it in, in the low ones, I still think it's a good buy because it's, oh, the lo- sure. it's, 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 historic, it's a historic car. Like regardless of what you think about Fords, if you're not a Ford guy, it's still a historic car. It's the last car ever built and you look at – you look in, in muscle car history of, of the US at least, even Australia, whenever you phased out a big banger, those are the, the last model of that, whatever it was, whether it's the GTHO phase three, the last big banger they did yeah. in the seventies, right? That's always the one everyone wants later on in life, 20, 30 years down the line. And it's the same as, you know, your boss 429s. It's, so you look at, look at what the market said historically. I, I really think that there's some value to be made there. I, I don't see them going below hundred ever. So if you can pick one up in the low one hundreds, I think, and you've got a fun car, they're a fun car to drive. They are a fun car to drive. As long as you get out of first gear real quick, they're a fun car to drive. Um, so I, th- I think they provide good value for the listeners out there. If you, if you're looking for a, if you're a Ford fan and you're looking for a nice car that you can drive on the weekends and provide you good value, I think, I think the GTF is probably that, that one still. Yeah. Well, it's, I 100% agree. I mean, there's when when you think about it in in general, from just a collector car market, there's nothing left. If you look at build number stuff, there is nothing. You know, to get into anything now that if you're buying an M3 or you're buying a AMG, well, then you've got thousands of them because there's no build numbers. Maybe the GT, you, maybe the GT, Japanese GTRs, Skylines, maybe. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, you've got to start dabbling in that in that kind of stuff, like. Um, yeah, the SGIS 204s and stuff like that that have actually got build numbers associated GT500s, with GT500s, the, the, the newer models, I think they're numbered, the high-end spec yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. All like yeah, M5, not, nothing in Australia though. Nothing yeah, M5 you CSs know. and things yeah. that are just already stupid money. But yeah, for the Australian stuff, like the, this is it. So, I mean, if, um, you, if you are in that position, you know, any of this kind of stuff is buy and hold because if you're going to be getting it and that's going to be your pride and joy, tucking away, putting a cover on it, sitting in the corner and take it out sparingly, it's still a damn good investment for later on in life. So, um, and yeah, they are well, well priced for what you get. So, um, speaking about well priced, just going back to the HSV stuff. Um, yeah, I actually saw a W four twenty seven listed the other day with fifty two thousand Ks on the clock. Um, didn't get into this too much because it was a Facebook listing. So, um, legitimacy of it <laughs> questionable. But and we'll damn get into cheap. that later as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn cheap at 110000 So if you're considering them, and these have been a weird car the way prices are. I mean, if you jump online, there's one for 448000 like basically brand new with 72 kilometers on the clock. Another one with there with 3,600 kilometers on it for 300000 And then there's one with 13,200 kilometers on the clock for 229. So I probably say that these cars are that 150 to 200 in that kind of range. I mean, that um, anyone asking, past that at the moment is going to be holding it for a long period of time but i do see it that um with 137 of them made the way that are if i had to put my money on the line if you're down saying hey would you rather just a gdsr um or a w427 if you're looking similar dollars i'd be taking a w427 all day every day because um like i've always said that is the xw gdho versus the xy with the w1 and um yeah with the W1 and the W427, they're the two ultimate big bangers. They are, yeah. 
Um, so good value there. And then the, the GT market, uh, or old school Ford GTs, um, the, this market's all over the place, has been for a while. Uh, you're looking at, you know, your, your 67 to 70 years when we talk GT, so your XR, XT, um, XW, XYs, they're all over the place. Uh, if you want a replica basically of a XW or XY, a replica, so not even a genuine, you're forking out a minimum of 100K now for a genuine, um, whereas we saw historically that, you know, just a, a stock GT was pulling low ones. Um, now Mocker's pulling 100, so that's bumped up the GTs. Now people that are like, okay, I've got a genuine GT, what that were. So there's an XW on, on car sales for 230K, uh, another XW for 225. Um, even your XT GTs now are pulling low to mid ones, which were kind of, you know, 50 to 80, 90 you know, before COVID, so they're holding value. But th- th- these ones are all over the place. These are much more emotional cars for people because generally they've been in the family for a long time. Um, I know GT people are much more kind of emotional about about their cars, um, especially being you know metal bumpers and all that, steel bumpers and and so on. But the yeah, the GT market is is really hard to cause. There's another GT an XY for 300k, um, not a phase. You know, um, just a, just a stock bog GT. So it is. It is interesting, but the, the, they're basically sitting. Uh, you know, a good quality X W X Y GT. Now you're, you're looking at starting at 200k, um, and if you want a really high quality, you're looking at 300k, and then on top of that, you got to go to the phase. You know, phase one, two, three, phase ones and twos in the in the XWs, and up to the phase three in the XYs. You know, they're, they're pulling over half a million to a million now, quite comfortably, um, especially if you've got a, a high end one. So these have always been interesting for me to watch because they don't pop pop up often. Uh, at least mint one zone, and generally they don't. I'm just I'm just on car sales scrolling. They generally don't go to car sales. A lot of these cars will go to either brokers or you know uh, Australian Muscle Car Sales, uh, Muscle Car Stables, all all those kind of websites where they'll they'll have a, have someone deal with all the all the tire kickers rather than doing it themselves because they're a high end car. They want security. Exactly, they don't want people yeah. to know where it is. So um, that'd be interesting. And then you you flow onto the XA XB. Uh, GTs and and now they're pulling the same kind of money. You know, if you, if you want a, a good XAGT or an XBGT, you're looking at high ones, low twos. Um, whereas a year ago, low to mid ones, right? So it's it's completely flipped. And the market that's really coming through at the moment, it's just been crazy. Is um is the XES ESPs? So we're starting to see the genuine ones pulling some crazy money. But there's a fair few mocks popping up at the moment. And they're all hovering around that eighty to one twenty for a mock ESP. So. If you look at those wave of cars and kind of how we're touched on before, um, you know, if we're seeing that coming through now that those that grew up through the 80s and 90s, I mean, they, everyone loved an XESP. So, I mean, they were right up there with your VL turbos and and that for the time it was like the car to have. Um, you know, that was the ultimate car. Like all my WOG mates, and I'm sure you'd be the same bogues, all loved an ESP back in the day. And I'm seeing now that guys are getting into, you know, the – Late thirties to um yeah late thirties to mid forties that are coming into a bit of cash. It seems to be the one that they're all wanting at the moment. So that's definitely a market to watch. The ESPs. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and you know, small number of them too. I think compared to you know, high end HSV stuff. I think GT builds, especially in the in the sixties, seventies, eighties, um, were a bit lower as far as build numbers goes in, in some of the in some of the years. So um, good to look out for. All right, moving on. Yeah, so uh, Subaru STI. So this is always a market we've we've been talking about. Um, I'm a big fan of like your yeah, 05 to 07s um, in 
in that range. So, um, yeah, we used to have an 07 SGI that um, Bogues used to always give me shit about for the pink badges, but go F yourself. That looks great. <laughs> the Barbie. <laughs> the Barbie yeah. STI. Yeah, the Barbie STI. Um, yeah, so this market here has been an interesting one. So it's always one I've called out that I was saying to try and grab these when they're around 40K when you can actually find them for under 50,000K on the clock. But we're seeing it now. They're probably around about that 120,000, 130,000 kilometers on the clock. You're going to be changing hands for around about 45,000. But where to watch here is the Japanese import ones versus the Australian delivered ones. So always what's going to command good money later on, I don't care what anyone says, is going to be the Australian delivered ones. They're, they're the really ones to have. If we kind of even go back to the days of like if you look at a um, R32 GDR, so the ones that command good money, are the Australian delivered ones or the um, RX7 SPs, et cetera, like that. You look at all them. Bathurst edition ones, Australian delivered, commanding the big dollars. So that's just one thing to watch. So if you look at top um, down markets, when you look at it, that all up the top, the low kilometre Australian deliver ones are still pulling big money. And I'm talking that low kilometres being $80,000 plus, you can be finding them. But if you can find a good one, even is Japanese import with books, great condition, um, and you're paying around about, you know, I would be crunching more. I wouldn't be dropping 45 grand on an import one. But um, if you're going to be looking at that, um, if you say you're snagging one of those in mid-30s to 40 and it's um, full history, great condition, low kilometres, um, and I'm talking low kilometres probably under 80,000, then that's not too bad. Um, but if you're going to be paying in the high dollars for in the import stuff, start looking at the S204s, et cetera. You can find those anywhere um, around about that sixty to $80,000 mark. Uh, that's a build number car, you know, um, carbon front seats, et cetera, cool thing. They're not too bad. So that's still a market to watch where you can find a good deal from time to time. Yeah, for sure. Into, yeah, so the F6 and um, R-Spec, F, F6 Typhoon R-Spec market. So I do get a lot of questions about this. Um, as everyone knows, I bang on about the R-Spec all, all the time because I own one. Um, but the FJF6 market's still holding really good. So anything with some decent kilometres is going to be north of um, 70,000, um, especially if you can get yourself a Mark II. Um, they're still an unbelievable car to have and a good one to tuck away for a collector later on. R-Specs, it's a weird market with them because I haven't seen anything with ridiculously low kilometres. A lot of things that do get listed is that 120,000 kilometres plus. Yeah, it's um, you're not really going to be finding much for under sixty thousand for those. So um, it's weird the FPV market's just sitting as it is, and it hasn't really moved dollars wise. But the HSV stuff's cooling, so it's um, it's where that really it's all it's weird at the moment. But um, that's the tail of the tape on that side of it. And then one of your mates, yeah, and interesting the car that's sold at the moment. So there's um, guy named Eddie's. So he owns the um, fitness clothing brand do you even and he also owns a big um facebook page he's got over four four hundred thousand followers um called all things cars he just sold his millennium jade r34 gtr m spec nur um yeah so there's only 156 of these were finished in the millennium jade so in the jdm market uh yeah very desirable car um you probably call it xu3 yellow of the um of the jdm market but he sold this via Bring a Trailer in the US. So we're seeing a lot of that happening in the moment. So a lot of these guys um, with the high-end, um, you know, the 
guess all the high end JDM stuff because um, they've become legal over in the states at the moment, so they're pumping them all over there and getting some stupid dollars. But that sold for three hundred forty one thousand dollars US, so that's five hundred thirteen thousand dollars Australian. He he pulled for that car. So um, for an investment, I think he paid um, low one hundreds um, fair few years ago now, but that's um, good return on investment there. So he did did well with that one. He's based in the US. No, he's here. So, uh, he's, so he sold um, it from here, did he? Put it on a boat? Yeah, he sold it from here, so he's at Listerfield Way. So, um, yeah, wow. he had that and sold it, and off that goes to the state. So it's some big dollars there. That's huge, yeah. Yeah, especially considering it's, you know, you, 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 you don't often see people buying cars from Australia in the US. You see it the other way around. Um, but I wonder, I wonder if it's as hard to get out of the country as it is in Justin with, with the way Australia is. I wonder if they swap yeah, it for COVID and whatnot as the car's leaving. But yeah. Uh, um, Moving on, yeah, auction auction world, nothing really going on. I, I haven't really seen any big auctions, neither of you, right? Yeah, everything I watched, I mean, it's, everything's kind of just not not selling at the moment. So, um, and I think with anything that, you know, there's a, I've got a few mates that are starting to buy up again at the moment and just offering just stupid money for stuff. So if they just kind of got the attitude, of, hey, well, if I get it, I'll store it away and at least that way I've done all right. Um, but Seeing things like VS Club Sports and that popping up that, you know, people expecting them to be getting forty five to fifty five thousand, just not happening at the moment. So it's um yeah, sit on your hands and wait. And um, you know, guys like us will start snipering once we see great deals coming up. But yeah, gotta be enticed a fair bit and just seeing other cars they kinda of get listed to, you know, just the inquire um kind of post and Prices not listed and they do get sold and people are keeping their cards to the chest of what they're paying for for stuff as well. So it's how it is at the moment. Yeah, it is. It is. We'll see. We'll see if it fluffs up. Usually, um, when the weather starts to get colder, people get people get to auctions more. Funnily enough, because they're indoors yeah. and whatnot, and they spend a bit more money when they're stuck they're stuck inside the house. So we'll see how that goes. News. All right. Some some big news uh, this episode and one that I was waiting for to eventually happen and it's finally happening because we've seen it with other. Other models of cars in you know the GT market especially, but uh, Trio charged over alleged two million dollar HSV rebirthing racket. Uh, Trio Trio of Melbourne men has been arrested after allegedly running a rebirthing scheme targeting some of the hottest ever Holdens. Three Melbourne men have been charged by police after a month long investigation into the alleged theft of more than thirty Holdens. Uh, Victoria Police alleged these started targeting recent. HSVs, HSV models worth between 50K and 120K in October 22, placing the total value of the stolen cars at roughly $2 million. This was always going to happen. Um, we saw it with the GTs, for those, those that aren't familiar with four GTs. They say the most valuable thing in those cars is the ID plate, uh, so, so much so that a lot of people that own GTs, especially Phase 2s, Phase 3s, Phase 1s, they remove the ID plate and put it away from the car. They put it separately. They put it in a safe or whatnot. But even if you go to those extremes these days, um, you know, someone just has to – someone who's got half brain can just get – if you do happen to steal a GT and the plate's not on there, what was happening was people were just punching in, um, you know, the VIN, getting the – what was the website? There was a website on, online that you could punch in VINs and they, they send you a printout of the exact build of that VIN, which you can still get. And then they just they either get a shell uh, of a car or an old just regular Ford Falcon, and then turn it into a GT and, and make a fake plate. And so there really is no way around it around fully protecting yourself these days. And and now we've seen that trickle to the HSV market. You know they might might have a an old VL they turn into a Walkinshaw with a bunch of 
you know, somewhat Yeah, we did see that listed. Um, I think I shared it with you. There was a walking chore that got listed through one of the auction sites. Um, I was called out from that, so it was a rebirth one. And it's going to continue, yeah, like GTSs, GTSRs. I mean, GTSRs are an easy one to do if you can find a wing. Um, oh, man, there's so many GTSR mocks going around at the moment. So, um, yeah, seems to be the one that everyone has their old VK Mini mock and they've got a GTSR mock park next to it. So it seems to be the rage at the moment. So, you know, half of the car guys in Sydney have got them. So it's, um, I think it's going to get worse, Justin. I think it is because mm. right, now, right now, look, we still have – that's why registries are important. Like you can still somewhat get some information out of um, – HDT, uh, I know we called HDT on a, on a few of the blocks that I bought just to confirm a few few things, and one of them was the VK Blue Mini that I have that has actually has Momos on it, and that was actually a build request from a customer. So it was built on factory line. Then when it went to HDT, a customer requested the Momos instead of the what did that have on originally the um, the VK Brocky had what rims is originally on that? Uh, yes, it had the. Uh, arrows, but the arrow, um, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah they usually come with the white arrows. Yeah, yeah, this one had the Momo. So people see it and they're like, "Oh, that's not genuine." And I'm like, "Actually, it is." So we actually got it mm. confirmed. But to my point, as time goes on, a lot of these places are either going bankrupt or moving away from HDT GT because there's no money in it. You just hope we never lose these these registries um, because they're very very important, and that's the way you can really confirm whether the car you have is genuine. Um, and, and and for people to be careful out there, like if you if you've bought a you know this has happened we've, we've spoken about this before. If you buy a genuine GT GTHO Phase Three, and then you buy it, and then you realise shit, I've been sold a dud. This is fake, and then you knowingly sell it as a fake, you'll also be liable, right? Yeah, so exactly. You if if you know that you've been stooge and then try to stooge someone else, we've seen that those people have actually been taken to court. Um, so if, if it does happen to you, go to the authorities and try to try to get it rectified. But it does happen and be very, very careful. I mean, HSV is still pretty good, especially on the, the later model stuff where you can get confirmation on, you know, VXs, VTs, all that kind of stuff. Even probably GTSR, uh, VSs, they can probably give you some information so you can give them a buzz and try to find someone. But it is getting harder and harder. Mm. And, and I think that's why, I mean, if you're going to be paying top dollars for – cars at the moment that documentation is absolute key i actually had a guy ask me about a vr gds the other day and you know i was asking questions they've got the compendium etc with it so because if you if you can track down a car with a lot of that and you've got all the telltale signs that it hasn't been rebirthed um you can you know it's something ultra ultra clean um you know you've just got to be careful i mean you just got to make sure if you've got some of the micrometer or something go right over it but if you've got a car where it's you can see all the documentation, previous receipts, you've got a compendium, you've got everything with it, um, and you're running the numbers um, by HSV. So they're fantastic there. Um, you can call them up. Um, they can verify it for you, or you can jump online as well and verify it. But if you're getting these cars and they've got the reproduced uh, compendium um, from HSV and it looks ultra clean, then that's already alarm bells to me. So just make sure you do get um, secondary eyes over it if you don't know these cars that well. So, um, yeah, it's way it is at the moment, but um, everyone's just trying to make money wherever they can. And, yeah, we're seeing that with parts, um, more and more parts getting listed online and, you know, scam alert, people giving deposits for parts and never getting it or deposits down a few cars that, are, that don't exist. They're using, you know, um, photos just off, um, you know, car other, groups, other et cetera, like that, yeah. and making or, fake or ads. Other listings, other listings yeah. as well. so just be so, so careful. I think the best way too is if you're going to purchase a car and it's a muscle car or collector car, 
get a shitload of information from the seller. Um, if, if they're if they're kind of backing up, backing away from giving you a photocopy of their license, their address, all that kind of stuff, then be very wary and ask for extra information. Um, try to meet them at their house. Try to try to do all that stuff. Get a you know physical address if they're giving you just a PO box or a or a business address. Not good enough. Give them. I need your home address for this kind of transaction. I need a proof of license. I need proof of ID, passport, whatever. Get get that information. If they yeah. don't want to do it. And you're spending 100, 200, 300K on a car and they don't want to do that, red flag straight away because something's up, right? And oh, we, we speak about, yeah, we speak about like the cars that, uh, what we look for when, when it's a, a low kilometer example, right? Seat wear and gear knob wear, steering wear, you can kind of tell. Well, it's, it's, it's going to get to a point where you can't tell because these rebirths are going to be mint. They're going to be Mickey, they're going to be really well restored. Everything's going to be really nice and shiny, low kilometer car all makes sense, but it's a rebirth. And that's yeah. why we, you know, really check uh, with, with HSV, with four GT clubs and all that kind of stuff. And like Justin always says, jump into Facebook groups because a lot of these people, a lot of these, especially the older generation, that they, you know, these, these old, older, older people, much like us getting to that age, they're photographic memory of stuff. I saw that car at a, at a car, at a car show five years ago and it was different color. I saw that. Oh, no, I know that car. You know, I sold that car. I own that once. That's not the same, you know, they've, they've modified it. Right. So very important if you can jump on those, those, those groups, which can be painful sometimes in those groups, but they're, they're very useful to, to get you some extra information. There's always someone willing to help. Yeah. Yeah. Literally there was a VN group A. Um, that I got asked about and I knew it straight away. So I knew the guy who used to own it, used to have a side mount supercharger on it, was stroked. There's a lot done to that car and I called it straight away. I said, have a look in the boot and I could see all the weld holes from where we used to have a fuel system. So, um, yeah, so important. Run it run it past, but just be wary as well with things because I actually had another guy ask me as well that he wanted to go um, and check out a VE Senator but the guy was trying to ask him for a deposit first because he was trying to say, oh, I've got a lot of time wasters. You owe me a deposit, then you can come view the car. And I'm just like, no, nah, walk away. Don't don't even bother. So because that's where you're just going to be just – sometimes you have that gut feel. With some, if there's a deal too good, if a car's price well below market and then you've got these sellers asking for deposits up front, et cetera, just no, nah, walk away. Don't yeah, even waste your time. Yeah, if something feels funny, it's probably funny. Um, sometimes, mm, you, you yeah. know, you got to – the paranoid survive in all walks of life. Um, it's not great mm-hmm. to live that way, but you have to be – If you, especially when, when big amounts of money are involved, even little amounts, like 60K for a lot of people for, for a nice muscle car is a lot of money, right? So you got to be paranoid and you want to, you know, make sure you've ticked every box, done, done everything. Don't just – don't get emotional on the day or let them pressure you. As soon as a, as soon as a seller's pressuring you into a deposit or, or whatever, like it, it's a red flag. People with good cars – Take it from Justin and I. If you've got a good car and someone comes in and- Yeah, car sells you know, itself. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to be like, I need a deposit now. This could sell tomorrow. Like, I don't care. If you, if you come and you waste my time, I'm going to sell it tomorrow. So it doesn't worry me, yeah, right? Exactly. So I yep. think that's a good, uh, kind of a good cash cry to have. Um, supply, starting to catch up. It is starting to catch up. So I've got a lot of guys in the automotive trade. Um, I guess, I mean, that's the thing. We had chip shortages and then now there's a lot of cars at docks, et cetera, like that, getting caught up with customs. And so, um, yeah, was it the point? Volkswagen, Skoda, companies like that. Um, yeah, that's, there was just no new stock around. So they're starting to, you could go in now and order like a Tiguan R, um, you know, or Octavia RS, et cetera. You can go and actually order one now. Um, they still look, man, if you look at the Rangers, the Hiluxes, they're saying 12 months waits, but there are cancelled orders popping up. So if you put it into reality, 
All right, let's look at, um, say someone ordered a, a new Ranger Raptor 12 months ago. All seems good. Um, thinking, yeah, oh, if that's going to be early 90000 I can afford that. Rates are low. He's, he then gets a call from Ford going, hey, you've waited your 12 months, now your car is available. He goes to process his finance for it and paying 7 8% for it and realizes his repayments are over 2000 uh, but his um, trade is still on all right money, but 2000 bucks for a car is a lot to pay, where he's probably thinking it was going to be like fourteen, fifteen hundred. 1500 So that's the reality it's facing right now, hence cancelled orders coming up. So um, it's happening that, you know, some friends I've got at BMW and Mercedes saying they don't get a lot of inquiries. Um, it's very rare for just a lot of generic inquiries for cars over 140000 at the moment. Um, so they're trying to play and double around, um, you know, the say the BMW 3 Series or BMW X3s, etc. Seeing BMW finally doing some discounts on some X5s at the moment. There is the updated LCI, so the life cycle change um, coming up as well. So that also is a top-down pressure to move some older stock. You can get some good deals around, but now's the time to start being um, savvy if it comes to it. So just don't let the emotions take over. Don't be stupid and put in a lot of orders. Try and find out and push for cancelled orders. Try and find out what's coming up and um, don't be shy and offer less at the moment. Yeah, it's 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 really bad in in, in some some instances. Um, we have connections at a few BMW dealerships, and I have uh, upgraded or upgraded or downgraded. Went from an X7 or X5 for the misses um, just recently, and um, speaking to person I deal with at BMW, they said this the stuff over, as soon as you start cracking 100K on new cars, they're not moving well at all. Um, yep. And they just launched their, their, their new 7 Series and just said they're not they're not moving well. But they noticed anything kind of, you know, 70, 80, 90K, kind of more bare bones, still moving like crazy. So, so Aussies yep. still want, you know, high quality cars. And this is why the government really needs to look at that luxury car tax we've spoken about. So the X5, for instance, has been voted one of the, one of the safest SUVs on the market, um, top of the line technology and everything, good bang for buck. And and, and without the, the luxury car tax, it would be under 100K for full, yeah, exactly. you know, almost fully yep. loaded, right? Um, yep. Whereas now you've got luxury car tax, it's it's, it's that buyer that's in that market at the, the 70, 80, 90K mark is like, I can't mm-hmm. get in one. Now I'm going to go to a Kia, I'm going to go, which are, which are still great cars, don't get me wrong. But, you know, for a government that preaches about keeping you safe and safety and we want road safety, well, yeah. You know, you want people to to get the best possible, safest car, and that you know for a long time has been the X five and the SUV market. So I scratch my head and say, like, you know, we don't have a local car market to protect anymore, and it, it can be a hindrance safety wise. Like, you know, you, they want to preach on all that, and but no, we're not going to we're not going to release the tax to keep to keep uh, Australians in safer cars. So Australians mm. still want to spend good money on good good quality cars, but I think 100K for a lot of Aussie families is just too too hard a pill to swallow. So they, they go they go that next phase down and still good cars, but probably not the, the one they had on their bucket list. Oh, it's, and and that that is the thing that just blows my mind at the moment, just with this chip shortage. You're seeing things like a, you know, a nice, say you look at a T1R at the moment, they've got a T1R grid edition, still about 75, 80,000. Um, you find you could probably crunch one for you know high to mid seventies, but it's the thing it misses stupid things like blind spot monitors and <laughs> some technology packs. What I mean, it's just it's it's crazy that they're taking the safe you know some the main safety features out of it and still commanding stupid money for these cars. I mean, like when I look when I bought a Mark seven point five Golf R, um, 
geez, I think I paid like 54000 drive away for that. So equivalent now to Golf R, because let's be honest, like engine-wise is not like it's running the five-cylinder or something out of the RS3. It's now gone down into the Golf R. It's still the four-cylinder, two-litre turbo, and it's like $80,000 for one of those now. So that just blows my mind that the car, these type of cars – um, I was actually chatting to mate um, Phil King, who um, made a painting King Jam for me. We we're chatting about um, how I used to have the Passat 206 R line wagon. You know, I bought that. It was like six or seven months old. Had six thousand kilometres on the clock. I paid thirty eight grand for that car, and they um, and the updated one of that, which is still the same gearbox, everything like nothing different. Same seats inside, like. You know, basically the same car as what you're going to be getting for like a 2019 as a new one now, and they're they're like 75 grand. Absolutely blows my mind just the way these cars are at the moment, and that's why I said that there will be a lot of updates coming on later on. We're seeing a lot of the changes for EV etc. all coming through, so I think that a lot of people can get caught out right now. If you're paying top dollar and you're not negotiating, if the dealer's just holding you to the retail price, plus you're paying eight percent interest to drive around in this car that you're just already well overpaying for. That's why I can tell you now, when a lot of um, when a lot of these cars start flowing through these dealerships, plus the high-end stuff we're saying is going to start getting discounted, you're going to see it going, like we're saying, that you could probably get a, um, what, you could probably crunch like an X5 3-litre diesel at the moment for probably around that 120 mark. You could probably crunch it. And if you're going to be paying, say, $80,000 for a T1R, if you see if you can crunch something that's 140000 down, at least that way if you look at the falling market versus paying top dollar because you're in that high demand bracket. So I think it's worth really assessing finances. Shop around as well. I mean, if you are looking at rates, there's some, um, you know, there are some actual finance rates if you're buying through, like if you've got a company, say like BMW's got BMW Finance. So you could probably push them harder and say, look, if I am going to finance this, they do have BMW finance. So if I'm going to be paying for this higher end kind of bracket and you negotiate that, go hard and try and negotiate that rate as well. Don't just don't just take that 8%. So just be so careful at the moment because there this is going to be a bubble that will burst. I'm so confident on it. Yeah, of course. It's looking that way anyway uh, with the way mm. everything's going. Um, you only have to go to – I go out a fair bit to eat and noticing – you know, a lot of places are not as full as they once were. Um, restaurants, uh, I went. To, there's a pretty nice, you know, really high-end Japanese restaurant that we frequent about, you know, once a fortnight, once a month. And usually, you know, you got to book way in advance. Uh, you get there and there's a line, all that kind of stuff. We went there not long ago, and it was there were seats empty in the restaurant, um, which is which is mind-boggling because this place never empty, right? Um, so I think people are tighter in the hip pocket right now and we're going to see that in the, in the, in the car uh, market as well. 24 Ram, 2024 Ram 1500 REV. Uh, mm. They go, go on the EV route, promising an industry-leading driving range. Got to keep the Texans happy with these EVs. Yeah, I doubt they're going to move much down there. <laughs> uh, but... Ford went this route as well with the was it F one fifty Lightning? Is that what it was called? Yeah, until someone, um, until someone tried to tow a boat with it and they got what 50, 50 miles down the road and it broke down. Um, exactly yeah, that happened. is yeah, that is the question. I mean, we look at these capacities for what these um, can go, but I just wonder about the testing when they actually load them up and put a trailer and a big excavator or something on the back and towing up some hills. 
what this battery range is going to be like. But um, must say, like zero to a hundred times, everything still batshit crazy for the size of it. Still, you know, ticks all the boxes that way. Um, 560 kilometer standard range or 800 kilometer extended um, braking mm-hmm. towing capacity of what is that 6,350 kilograms um, 800 volt electric architecture for 350 kilowatt DC Australian launch looking likely but don't mention anything about towing capacity and towing range that's what you want to know most of the people that buy these cars tow shit they, um, they have four wheelers they have dirt bikes they have excavators they, they use it as their business car so um, we'll be interesting to see. I, I won't be in one anytime soon. I'm still happy with my RAM for now. Uh, even though it's getting serviced a hell of a lot too much than I'd like with a lot of recalls, but uh, it's a separate problem. And um, yeah, working through that. All right, Mercedes Benz also uh, has hiked vehicle prices by 43% since 2019. So um, there was an interesting article about it, and it was it was touching towards you know back in the day, Mercedes Benz was untouchable for the middle class. Uh, it was it was seen upon as as probably what a what a Rolls Royce is today. We're like that's a wow car, wow you needed really well to get that. It then got to the middle class where you could actually where it's actually affordable, but now it's looking like it's it's pushing back out a little bit. So forty three percent rise, you know, almost half um, more. Uh, than what you were paying in 2019, and now we know the cost of chip production. We know the cost of labor and all that's gone through the roof with 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 COVID ending and all that kind of stuff. And and the Chinese market gone up and down, on and off doesn't help help uh, help things. But uh, it's a pretty big hike for for a three year period, four year period. Yeah, it's it is interesting you say that in a way because if you, if we go back to like 2018, 2019, um, yeah, these kind of cars you have to look at. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, probably Mercedes and BMW was kind of, and Audi was that middle to upper class in a way. Um, whereas you could get your bang for buck through your Volkswagen. But it's interesting now that, um, yeah, if you look at the price point of these cars, they are becoming the upper class cars. You've got Volkswagen, I think, is probably um, setting the bar with a lot of their cars at the moment, is probably what, um, you know, BMWs would have been in that 2018, 2019. And then you've got um, Skoda coming through now, um, which is still under the VW banner anyway, but um, that's starting to become what Volkswagen was in 2018, 2019. So we're starting to see that shift, um, but it's going to be interesting where it sits because you're seeing the likes of Hyundai and Kia. The quality of these cars are just getting better and better and better. Um, I think it's going to be interesting what five to 10 years time is going to look like with um, those brands because I reckon we'll start seeing a lot of split brands, um, especially with Kia. I reckon Kia will have its um, start becoming probably what Volkswagen was like. So I reckon you'll see, you know, I'll probably call it now in five years' time, Kia will be Volkswagen. Mm. Yeah, be interesting. And then, uh, you know, you have two, two different land masses or continents that you'll be Making cars on will definitely help the cause as well. It'll, you know, the way the, the world's getting smaller and smaller, you want smaller and smaller to an extent until it comes to production and getting things on ships. If you have an arm on this side of the world, uh, an arm on, arm on that side of the world, they'd, they'd definitely corner the market. All right, last one. This one is absolutely bonkers. Um, Ford cars could repossess themselves if you miss your payments. This is a technology that Ford in the US is working on as we speak, and they're, they're pretty sure they've got it. Um, got, got it pretty close to done, uh, but this is this is amazing, um, and this goes to, to towards people's concerns with big tech and the conspiracy theories around you know digital IDs and and the phase out of cash. Well, this, this is going to be one of the ramifications of it, and you know I'd love to see 
how that works. I mean, if you're, let's say you're out on a holiday rurally and you haven't made your payment and you're in the middle of Australia camping, um, your car won't start. I don't think that's going to go down too well for a lot of people. So uh, th- th- there has to be some sort of safety concerns to an extent, but this is this is the, the world we live in with the convenience of the cloud software and tracking everything we do and your car's now connecting to a cloud and your car's connecting to... You know, it's 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 kind of scary, man. Um, and look, yes, you should be you should be making your payment. Don't get me wrong. If if you've got, if if you've bought a car and you've, you know, on finance, you need to be a big boy and an adult, a big girl and an adult, and and make those payments. I get it. But everyone's everyone's missed a payment before. Sometimes by accident, I've missed payments on on rates notices and all this kind of shit. Because sometimes you're like, oh shit, I missed that one. I got the money, but I just missed it. You know, and I got to pay a bit of a. Pay- Imagine someone just misses it by accident. Someone goes overseas for a month and misses the, doesn't get the mail, whatever it is, right? Um, and that's highly concerning to me, highly, highly concerning. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, because I go back to my times when I was repossessing cars and I actually remember once um, down in Carrum Downs, um, down that way or Patterson Lakes or something when I was going to get a Toyota RAV4 and I'd just seen that the woman was like, you know, I think it was like 34 degrees or something and then I had to make a call into a standard finance at the time and say, hey, I found the car. The concern is she's got a small baby. They're like, don't you touch that car. You know, so you try and talk to her and she's swearing at me and carrying on everything like absolute trash bag of, of a woman. I wanted to grab the car, but they wouldn't allow me to take it. So I kind of look at what happens in circumstances like that. So if it's kind of automated um, and, yeah, they're locking people out of the cars, what's going to happen there? So it's, um, yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll give you a period. Probably they'll they'll say you know you've got 24 hours or 48 hours. You haven't made your payment. We turn your car off. You've got to make you know correct it. Blah blah blah. But there's going to be and you watch people for the wrong or right reason to be. Oh, it'll be sheriff technology getting there as well. So just think about that. They won't care for unpaid parking fines, etc. You watch they'll probably have rights for a lot of the vehicles to lock people out of them. Send a drone out with a wheel clamp. They won't even go out personally. (laughs) A drone exactly. will just fly out and clamp your car and be like, you need yep. to make your payment. But look, I'm not for this. I, I hate, I hate big government. I hate uh, big surveillance. I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. People say, well, if you're not doing nothing wrong, don't worry about it. Well, you know, there, there will be people that are hurt by this for the right or wrong reasons. Some that, that knowingly stuffed up and can't afford to pay it. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of this one by Ford and generally a pretty big Ford fan for the most part. And they're, they're really pushing the tech stuff. But that one, no good getting the bin forward. Um, don't like it. All right, moving on. Yeah. Uh, Toyota Supra used to set a land speed record. Um, so a teacher from Naperville North High School over in the US and his team were recently busted borrowing a sports car through the Churro app. So the Churro you can basically rent through regular people, right? Kind of like Airbnb for cars. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I was using that in Hawaii. Pretty cool. Yep. So you can just basically, I can put up my HSV and someone comes and rents it. Um to complete in a, to compete in a land speed record race in Beaverville, Texas, <laughs> they rented the vehicle for approximately three days, during which the car was driven in the race. They got the vehicle up to 260 kilometers an hour, 160 miles an hour. Uh, they noticed something was wrong when the car was returned and discovered that the vehicle was raced, causing damage worth approximately four thousand dollars, mainly due to all four tires needing replacing. Or that'd be the obvious one. Uh, we don't know how this is settled. Uh, but this is an interesting one. Who's who's responsible here? The ch- I wonder if there's a disclaimer that the Chura app make you sign that you can't race the car. I bet you there probably there probably wasn't. 
Because why would you think to put that in there? Um, it's it's think- I mean, I, I remember a fair few years ago. So um, Troy Candy, shout out to you, Troy. Um, him and his mates went over to America and remember they were grabbing M3s, et cetera. And I think they blew up a gearbox in an M3 and M5 or something. There's videos of them. They had the cars stick it up and, um, yeah, skating around corners and everything can um, – yeah, it's crazy. And there's another story as well with um, some guys from New Zealand. They hired a Corvette or something and they, um, yeah, they they tried to do the run from, um, yeah, New York to LA or something like that. They're putting fuel systems in it and everything. They're trying to do, um, yeah, that cannonball run um, in one of these kind of cars. So it's um, it's done, but I suppose. Oh, the best one, the best one in all this take. was, uh, I think it was Jackass, wasn't it? Do you remember that one? Yeah. Yeah, so they went. They went to a, a rent a car place, <laughs> rented a car, and, and and took it into a destruction derby. <laughs> like yeah. painted a number on the roof and shit, and just were like went yeah. to a destruction derby and then returned the car. The dude's like, "What the hell is this?" He's like, "It's your car. I'm returning it." Uh, one of the all time <laughs> clips on Jackass. Used to be a big fan of the the initial Jackasses until they got too oh, yeah. too too crazy with some of the stuff. Um, but that was also <laughs> that was always a funny one. Love it. All right, on to Q and A's. Uh, first one, hey guys, what do you think the next wave of collector cars will be? Love the car chat and looking forward to the next one. Well, here you go, Ben. We've finally done one. But uh, yeah, for me, um, I'm, yeah, I think the oh, it's already a collector car, but I think that GTF, I'm going to harp on that. I think it's still a very good value to look at. The next wave, though, probably better suited to Justin. I see it now that, like I said, I think there's collector cars and there's hype cars. I think that if you look at the next wave, I don't think we're going to see collector cars it's just going to be hype cars and where i call hype cars is just stuff that you're liking in a younger age you know so say you know if you're early 20s or something now you might like f80m3s or c63s or whatever so they're hype cars but they're not a collector car in the sense if you look at low numbers so i think the ships sell with a lot with a lot of that stuff now you're gonna to have to start looking at imports um you know like Mustangs, Camaros, etc., from the states importing that kind of stuff, or um, Japanese imports. Um, what number got. would you put a collector car at? Build build number wise, four hundred, three, four hundred. Yeah, 500 I mean, max? Yeah, yeah, well, definitely now. I mean, if you look at that, but if you kind of look at global collector cars now, it's probably two thousand. You're going to have to be looking at it. So two thousand right um, is a collector you know, car. We, we could cap numbers here with the Australian stuff because it's to produce. You know, yeah. one hundred and fifty cars is cost effective. But now, if you're looking, say like a M5 CS or, you know, the M4 CSLs, et cetera, well, then there's probably two to two and a half thousand made globally. Um, we only probably get about 120 into Australia, so that's when you kind of look at the Australian cap number on these kind Before of cars. But number, where would you set the number at for a collect- something that's not a hype car, that's a full-on collect, like, hey, this would be a real collector car, worldwide numbers, 1,000-ish? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably go less than that. I'd probably look at 500 if you look at something like real desire, like there's desirable collectors. You're looking probably about that $500, that mean that 500 cap. If you're looking at just volume collector stuff, it's probably two, two and a half thousand. So if there's um, sticker pack things where they're producing 10, 15,000 of them because it's got a bloody, you know, some checkered flags down the side, um, like you see Volkswagen Golf Prelly editions, all that crap, uh, sticker pack stuff to move them, that's not collector cars. So. Yeah, but um, that that's where I kind of break that down to. You're really going to have no choice now. It's going to be hype versus collector stuff. So, yep, interesting. All right, next one. I finished my VN after it's been off the road for five years. During that time, it was off the road. I didn't attend many car shows. I've since been to a few, and it just doesn't seem the same. Do you guys think the scene is different? That's from Maddie. Um, to be honest, Maddie, I do 
because I see it now that a lot of these guys with the ultra rare stuff, they're taking them out sparingly because they're moving to the point going, this is an investment. I've got to keep my kilometers down. But as far as the show scene in general, I'll just call out one concern. Shows haven't evolved. You know, so if I look at it, when I was going to car shows in my mid-20s, you go there and there's rockabilly kind of music or, you know, 70s, 80s rock and all this kind of stuff getting played, the same kind of cars, and you go back to these shows now, it's the same. You know, it's not like they're, we're going there now and you've got a bunch of, um, you know, 90s to 2000, you know, um, our kind of muscle cars going through now, they're playing, you know, music from those eras, etc. That's not existing because you've still got the same older guys taking their 70s and 80s stuff in there. It is, you know, to be honest to call out, it's still chrome bumper versus plastic bumper. And that's that's one issue with a lot of these um, car shows. That's when I'm breaking that down to the um, Holden and Ford stuff. The car shows I like more going to now is the Cars and Coffee because um, you know, a lot of highball, et cetera, because you're starting to see some, you know, I'm liking now seeing cars that are just aren't the same ones because a lot of these car shows, it's the same guys taking the same cars. That's one concern there because that's just, you know, I call them the same trophy hunters that I've seen for 10 plus years still going with the same cars. Nothing's evolved with them. Where you go to somewhere like Highball Cars and Coffee, um, I highly recommend to go to because you might see like a cool BMW 8, you know, 850i or some oddball kind of, you know, older Euros, older Euro car turn up there. Um, and you just start seeing, you know, some just different cars that you're just not going to see day in, day out. And that's where I'll probably more get my joys at going to. So, but um, do flat out agree, Matty, that these car shows are boring. Someone needs to make a change out there, do it, shake it up a bit um, to pique my interest again. And it's such a small industry, especially in Australia, um, the muscle car market, that it always boggled my mind. You got the the old schoolers that are anti-plastic and you got the new schoolers that are anti-metal and it's just like there's beauty in all the cars. Like I've got I've got plastic bumper cars, I've got metal bumper cars and it's you got to get along to get along, right? Like it's, it's, just, um, it's just silly because then – you know, you fragment your shows into just a steel bumper and you've got half the amount of people and then, you know, people are like, oh, I, I want to go but I've got a, a plastic bumper will like hop shit for it and then you've got the arrogance of some of these owners that yeah. are, you know, causing problems and whatnot. But I think, I honestly think the old school way of having car shows was the best, um, you know, the old school rock and roll because I think you theme it around a live band, you theme it around having a bar and some food, some food trucks. I think that's the... For an all-in proper car show, that's one that I would go to. We you're there for yeah. the cars, but there's other shit to do, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Like we, you and I both went to to the BP, uh, it was BP BP Eastlink uh, shows that they had back in the day, and they were good, but it was just kind of like you're walking around amongst cars. It's not really closed off. There's people going through the drive-throughs of the of the KFC or the, or the Maccas. So it's like it's cool, but it's like eh, whatever. But like it needs to be done properly, and I think there's no reason why there can't be a monthly meet. Um, whether it be a, your Bunnings car park or whatever it is, a couple of food trucks. But, mm-hmm. you know, the way the country is and the way Australia is, everything's – there's legislation, you need approvals, you need council, you need this, you need that. So most people are like – you know, I had a warehouse in Dandenong that was a pretty big warehouse, uh, uh, you know, and um, massive car park. And I, I looked into at one point on the weekends, we could hold car shows here because there's probably about spaces yeah, for, that, yeah. for 100-odd, maybe more, probably 200 car parks. We would get some food trucks, some music – 
and I looked into it and then you got to deal with these bananas from the council and, oh, you need a permit for this and you can't do that or there's a, there's a cafe down the street so you can't have a food truck. I'm like, it's the weekend, everything's yeah. closed. Oh, it doesn't matter, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, too hard basket, I'm not going to do it, fuck it. And then- Oh, man, the factories in Dandenong, you have a fucking Karen in bloody height complaining about the noise from it. Exactly. <laughs> and then, then, But then it's, who does it affect? Like people that actually want to do something and put it together. So I, I get why they're dying to an extent. The cars and coffee is not really a- an event that they need approval for. So it's easy to do. It's like, hey, we're, we're, we're meeting here for, for, for a coffee and a kebab or a savlaki and we're going we're gonna to go for a little cruise. Yeah, but as soon as you want to have an organized event, it's like the government wants to be involved. They want their cut. They want to make sure everything's safe. Safety in quotation marks. And it, it just does my, does my head in. So the other one that's a pretty, the other one that is a pretty good show though is the Isabella and Marcus Fund. Um, they do a show out in Chelsea there. Um, which they do every year. I'm a supporter of their foundation, their charity. Um, but they do they do a show out of the Chelsea, the, the park there in um, what is it called? I forgot Bicentennial Park. I think it's called uh, massive park out there. There's and that's cool because there's pl- there's massive playgrounds for kids. There's a skateboard a skate park. Uh, there's a basketball court. There's a soccer field. There's a footy field. Um, and they've got the cars, so like you can go for you know a massive walk, and then you can go and do that. Like so, it's it, it all goes together quite nicely. But um, yeah, it's just it's just a shame that we've gotten to a point where you know people just want to complain um, to complain, and it just yeah it kind of does your head in. And I guess it goes back to what you sent me. Um, the you sent me that message on someone complaining about kids washing cars, right? Um, yeah, which Jesus was cross. Yeah, so I mean, explain that. Like that was it was it was a it was, oh, I hope it was fake, but I totally believe it wasn't. Oh, that wouldn't but, surprise me these days. Yeah, but <laughs> explain to our listeners what what you sent me. Yeah, so it's um yeah, sent Bogues a message. Yeah, so someone was complaining about someone washing their car. So the walking past is saying they're going to walk their kid past and going to get soap all over their shoes or some crap. So it's just like, come on. Yeah, I mean, it was like in one of those community groups. Um, yeah, it's for a suburb. Just, yeah, my kids had to walk through your wet nature strip and driveway because you're washing your car, and you're like, man, I would I would actually commend someone washing their car. You don't see that anymore. Like everyone goes through the. I know I'm a corporate of it. I go through the autos when I can sometimes. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just people just going to complain to complain. And then when you get the council involved, it's a bit of a shit show. So, um, but yes, Maddie, it is, it is, times have changed. Uh, and yeah, I guess, I guess my advice would be find a core group of friends, uh, similar to the cars and coffee. They're the best for me. Like if you just go with a group of 10, 15, 20, 20 mates and cars, you go, all right, let's cruise down to this restaurant. Let's have a bite to eat. Let's now cruise out to the hills a little bit and, and get on it a little bit around the bends. Then we'll stop and have a coffee and then we'll go home. Like That's the best way to do it. I think like, the big, big meats yeah, yep. are just, they just do your head in. Even getting in and out of there. Then you've got the cops and they'll come and mess with people and try to give them connect. It's just like, a, I think that's why it's, it's just died. So good luck with that, Maddie. If you find one that you like, let us know. All right, next one, stock or modified question mark. I finally found a VX Club Sport R8. It's 100% stock. I plan to keep it as an investment, but I just don't enjoy driving it. Should I modify it? Thanks, Liam. Uh, yes, you should, Liam, <laughs> because if you enjoy the car and you like it, that um, if we kind of go back to numbers, I mean, a VX Club Sport R8 to me, and sorry, I don't want to insult you or our listeners who have got them, is not an investment, say, such as like a VX GDS, if you look into that. So um, an R8 something that you should enjoy it. So, yeah, but, I mean, if you do modification, you can be smart with it. So you're always going to think about it. if I do it and you're lucky you've got 100% stock one. So let's say you change the exhaust and do an OTR, well, you can turn that back to stock or if you're even pushing the point of doing a top-mount supercharger on it. 
Okay, so you're not cutting holes to do it. So it's not like you're fitting a twin turbo kit where you've got to cut holes for intercoolers, etc. So be smart with your modifications because you can have both. You know, so least the way you can, in, you know, if if I am wrong and VX Club Sport R8s go through the roof later in life, or then you're in a position you can turn them back to stock. Uh, and if you think about it, your likes of your VK Brocks, etc., around there or Walkinshaws. Go back in those times, they all had exhausts and pacemaker extractors and everything they were all doing back then. Um, and now they're all, you know, majority of them you'll find 100% stock. So, um, yeah, best of both worlds, mate. If you like the car, you want to keep it, make it your own, enjoy it, drive it, um, only live once. Um, if it stays as a family heirloom pass down the kids, well, then they can decide later on if it ends up. And, um, and like you said, a it's a lot of high end collector. Nah. That's low numbers. Um, not, yep. No offense, Liam, but it's, it's just not. So then if, if you had a car yeah. that was – if you had a W4270, ask this question, no-brainer. Keep yep. it stock. Yeah, exactly. Drive it. You know, it's still a fun car to drive even though it's not modded. But, you know, clubbies, are, there's, a, there's a fair few of them made. Modify it. Yep. Even if you did go all out with a modification, um, like Justin said, you do start, start drilling holes and – Putting different fittings on, not the end of the world because it's not a. Even if you put it back to stock, you're not you're not breaking the bank in five or ten years as a, as a huge collector exactly. car, right? So I think um, yeah, I, I agree. Modify modify the shit out of it and enjoy the shit out of it. Um, yep. for that kind of car, if you if you do happen to get into a low numbered car, then it's a different story. All right, next one. Not sure if you guys have seen it or not, but I saw that HSV have been restoring a VY Club Sport. Do you know if they're going to get into the restoration game, Lynchy? I have seen this, Justin. I'm not sure if you have, but yeah, um, um, yeah, I did see. Um, yeah, Andrew Purcell post up a video about it. So shout out to Andrew Purcell. No, he listens. So he's um, been HSV for years, helped Bogues and I out a lot over the time. Um, yeah, so yeah, they are restoring that at the moment. Um, look, I mean, he is keeping the cards close to his chest. I have asked him the question about it. I heard that they're looking to, at uh, reproducing like front um, front rear bumpers, side skirts, and bits and pieces like that. That um, insurance companies are in high demand for at the moment because you can't find a lot of this stuff. So I have heard that that's um, on the horizon. But um, as far as um, them doing a whole HSV restoration process, uh, haven't heard anything about that. So um, I think um, you, you know genuine parts will be the path that they'll be taking. So. And, and not a bad idea if they were, um, if they yeah. can facilitate it. The problem is, is there going to be enough demand for it um, to have a have that facility? Maybe an arm of it where, you, where you're doing five cars a week, you know, five cars a month or two or whatever, however long the restoration takes. Let's say you do 100 cars a year. Um, that there, there could be – and it could solve the problem of the rebirthing thing. You've still got someone in the market that has a – it has a log of all the cars. They do, you know they're going to do it properly. You're paying probably 10%, 15% more than your local restoration guy, but you're happy to swallow that knowing that you're getting a genuine car. So it would be interesting if, for them to do. I don't think they'll do it because I just don't think there's enough of a market to do it. I think it's – No, so what, what I'd probably see if, if you kind of copy what happens over in America is certified restorers um, or even to the point of like Ferrari. You have a look at Ferrari that if you take a car to like that Pebble Beach concourse – and you want to do a restoration, Ferrari will say, well, here's um, our certified, you know, paint and body shops, et cetera, like that for restoration. So that would probably be something that it would be an easy way for, um, yeah, for HSV to make money um, down the track. So at least that way that um, they're signing it off um, through their authorised um, centres versus them taking um, – You're paying for the rubber stamp, risk. essentially. You're paying for the rubber stamp. It gives you a bit of peace of mind. 
Um, yeah, that's how I'd run it anyway if I yeah. had that. So. All right, last question, which is a good one. If you had 100K to spend on a weekend car, what would it be? Mm, um, look, I like it being a weekend car for that. So probably going back to what I was saying before, I think something like, um, yeah, FADM3 or if you can crunch like a C63S, um, I just think that that kind of Euro – yeah, it's just at that point of that Euro, it's still got a cool factor about it. Um, Rear-wheel drive, can throw it around, do whatever you need to do in that sense. Um, or even something, you know, even like your yeah, M2s and the manual or something like that. So if you want a bit of manual fun, so I think that's cool. I mean, I'd probably rather something like that as a weekend to say versus going, yeah, well, 100 grand, I could buy a collector VT2 GDS, you know, with a 300 Callaway going, you know, geez, you fall asleep changing gears. So to me, that's not a fun weekender versus something that I can actually go and thrash it, throw it around, have a bit of fun, still looks cool, still got good street presence. I'd be heading down the Euro path. Yeah, I'd go to, uh, back to Liam's question around the VX Club Sport. I'd probably go that route. I'd buy a yeah. you know, a Club Sport, a VT, a VS, a whatever, a VX, and I'd modify the shit out of it with my change. Yeah, that's, yep. that's what I would do. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, for 100K. Because I want to change out of 100 grand. Doing exactly. That, so. Yeah, you find some, find a nice shell for 40, 30, 40, 50K and, and sink in 30, 40, 50K. I think you have a pretty nice car and you have kind of more what you want. Put some power behind it, you know, supercharge it if you want, you can put twin turbos on it, whatever you want to do. And then you've got a car that you want. If it was a bog stock car for Aussie, Aussie muscle, if it was Aussie muscle, I'd probably look at um, – you could probably pick up a VC or a VH Brock Commodore um, around that price still, and at least it's a yep. numbers-matching car, and they're somewhat fun to drive. They've got a, they've got a burble about them. Um, yeah, they're, exactly. they're not bad to drive. So um, that's what I'd probably look at as far as Australian side of things, and probably the only price point it would be around just under 100k. You could probably pick up a nice VH or a VC4. It would be high kilometers, but they are they are they are a fun, loud, rare car to drive around. So that's probably what I would look at. All right, story time. What do you got for us? Uh, look, I mean, shout out to Robbie for this one. So um, we'll talk about a few things. So he's a mate uh, I know through cars, and um, yeah, just prompted after actually when I was riding this this pod. And I thought about his story, what happened to him. And so this is back when the VE GDS first came out. And, um, you know, so he had a VS Clubby at the time with the side mount. It was a cool car. But, um, yeah, he thought he'd take out his dad's VE GDS because he had a hot date. Um, and we all know about it. Chicks are impressed by, um, you know, kicking cars sideways and everything. We all know that. That's the first way to a lady's heart <laughs> is how you thrush a car. And he decided to do that. So what better way to impress her in dad's brand new VE GDS? Um, everything was going well. She tried to do what we all do. That's remove her panties via kicking the car sideways around a corner, but this didn't end well. He smacked a curb and rushed the rim. Stress took over because uh, he knew he'd, he'd be fucked if his dad found out. And I'm kidding you not, this car probably had like 1,300 kilometers on it. Red, beautiful car. So at this time here, being the shadow chrome wheel is very hard. So he had to try and fix it before his dad finds out. So fortunate, he had a full-size spare in the boot. So remember him and his brother swapping that out and um, swapped that over so he wouldn't get caught out with his um, dad finding out about it from seeing it parked back in the garage. But what they did is the interesting part. So they had the rushed one and they went to the local – their local dealership to test drive a brand new one and they swapped the spare room in the boot with a rush one. 
So with that there, so the, the spare's facing down, so you're not seeing the rush on the front of it. This looks like a brand new tyre. They swapped that out, and it's quite funny because um, that got sort of him, and to this day, he never got caught. I just thought that was a funny story. So back in the, the day time. when they let you test drive solo too, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I don't think they so, do that anymore. I don't think they do that. Uh, sometimes they do if they know if they know you. But uh, yeah, a random puncher yeah. these days wouldn't be able to go solo. I don't think. But uh, <laughs> I think that, that's awesome. And then some poor bastards bought yeah. that car and going to change his spare tire eventually, and then blame the dealership. And they're like, "Yeah, right." As if that it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's a brand new tire. So, um, that's, that's probably another one. thing to do on Turo as well. So it's probably an easy way Ooh, to swap out parts. That is a good one to do, actually. <laughs> Fuck a gearbox. Uh, I mean, I'm surprised people don't uh, start Airbnb in houses and swapping furniture out, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a nice couch. Shit, I'll, I'll swap that for an Ikea one and just, you know. Don't get any <laughs> ideas, listeners. Um, I've got I've got one. I've probably spoken about this before, but it just made me chuckle about my old man uh, getting a canary, um, just like in his in his older age. Uh, so I bought a an XT um Fully custom, uh, massive exposed supercharger out of the out of the, uh, out of the bonnet, and yeah, um, cool. yeah, we bought the we bought the car. Still got it to this day. Uh, awesome car. It was re- very nicely restored. White interior. Being being street machine. I think it was on the cover. Of, oh no, it was it was a pullout. It wasn't the cover. It wasn't the cover of a street machine, wasn't it? Yeah, it's performance. No, uh, performance Ford. Or performance Ford. Like yeah, performance day. Fords so and express public publications when they were in. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, it came with a top mount, uh, you know, fully exposed supercharger, and um, had the cutout on the bonnet. And then the bloke mm. sold it to us. Actually, sold it with a, a separate bonnet um, that was didn't have a cutout and said, look. In the rare chance you get a canary, what I do is I, I take the, uh, I, I get the canary, I go take my supercharger off, put the other bonnet on, I go to Vic Roads, I get approved, you know that it's that's it's roadworthy, and then I go back and put my supercharger back on and swap the bonnets again. <laughs> that's basically Hang what up. he told us. Anyway, so I was driving this thing around like I try to keep it local for the most part because this thing was, it was a big supercharger, like it was over the top and a massive fan belt. The fan belt was, you know, sorry, the supercharger belt was there and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I was driving around a fair bit, never had an issue, um, blah, 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 blah. My old man takes it out one day, uh, goes out to Dandenong from Patterson Lakes where we lived at the time. And he's literally like, I would say he's 100 metres from the mechanic. He was taking him to get a service. Gets pulled over by a toggy. And he's like, you know, this is illegal. What are you doing? And my dad's like, look, man, yeah, I get it, whatever. Um, But... I'm 100 metres from the mechanic. I can literally take it there, um, get in a service anyway, so we'll get it removed and we'll get it roadworthy. And and the cop was such a prick that he's like, no, you are not getting this car again. Um, I'm not letting you move it, blah, blah, blah. You can call a tow truck. So I had to call a tow truck to tow it literally 100 metres, 200 metres. 100 metres. Um, yeah, insane. So he did that and then he lost his shit. Like it was, it was almost my fault. Like, oh, I can't believe this this stupid car got me a road, got me a canary, blah, 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 blah. So we, um, yeah, ended up, I ended up, I was living in the US for the most part, but, um, yeah. yeah I remember he called me after that. It was all so pissed off. Yeah. I was like, dude, like, what is this? who cares, man? Um, yeah. but anyway, so yeah, end up, end up, you know, peer pressured into getting rid of it. So we, we, we stripped it down, sold the supercharger and then we just put, um, dual carbs on it underneath and it still runs pretty nicely, but just a funny, funny one. Cause he was, I mean, he's gray haired at that point. He's probably would have been his fifties, I think, um, early mid fifties and, and just, yeah, cops are old, old, old dude, just copping a canary <laughs> from a toggy, so just good. talking down to him yeah. and just like fucking still hear about it to this day. I can't believe that shit. Uh, get rid of this car. It's bullshit. Um, so we did, but I was kind of pissed actually, cause that was a really fun car to drive, uh, when it was, 
when oh, it was the sound of that thing was insane. Yeah, insane. and it just just drove so just drove so well. Had the had the cheese cutters, cheese cutter tires at the front, and the big fatties at the back, yeah. <laughs> just, just cruising yeah. it around. Patterson, Legs and Dan along, and um, I was just going to free roll it until I got a canary, and my dad beat me to it. So that was uh, that's my story for the week. But that wraps up another episode. Thanks everyone for the support. Episode seventeen in the books. Uh, we know it's been a while to get this out, but we're we're here now and. We'll get a few more out in the next couple of months. Um, so we appreciate everyone's support. Please give this a share. Yeah, it's getting so cold here, so I'll um, mm. yeah, I'll have to make a make a trip up. Record yeah, the next I know. one. Yep, yep, yep. For those that don't know, I'm up in Queensland now. I left the uh, the communist socialist state of Victoria um, <laughs> for, some, for some sunshine and, and whatnot, and been pretty happy up here for the most part. People actually smile walking down the street when it's sunny. It's funny what what the sunshine actually does. Drive but, the cars. Uh, no, I have to yeah, worry about the rain. Take the cars out. So. Um, but we'll we'll get more out down the line. Uh, we need everyone, you know, like I said, share and and, and uh, tell your friends about this. I think we're the only really uh, car chat that's Australian based that, that talks about muscle cars in the market. We know um, Marius does a little bit with with his drive segments, but that's more pinpointed towards one or two things. So we want to keep this alive. And also, if you're in the automotive industry and you want to chuck on a uh, an advertisement or a sponsorship, reach out via uh, go to my website andrewbogert.com. There'll be a contact form there, and you can you can email us if you have any thoughts. We have had some people reach out, but we're going to open start to open up to some advertising. Whether you want to advertise even car shows, we want to advertise. Uh, you know, you, you run a speed shop, you run this, you run that. We're happy to talk to all and support the community the best we can. Um, so reach yep. out for that and, and we'll get rolling soon. And hopefully in the next couple of months, we will move to video, Justin. So you will need to be well-groomed and, and uh, yeah. get a nice haircut, hair for that. Your hair, put your earring <laughs> on and we'll hopefully be moving to <laughs> to a uh, to a video process, which will hopefully, hopefully will be really good for YouTube and Rumble. So um, the studio is almost done, but as uh, tradies and laborers go, things are always six months over what they quote. So hopefully we're done in the next, yep. in the next month or so and we can get that rolling. Done. All right. Thanks guys. Adios.